So what is Zero Cool? It's Josh Luber, looking to channel his inner crash override and hack his way into the non-sport and culture market for cards. And to say the inaugural release for Zero Cool Cards is ambitious is the understatement of the year. V Friends cards have a chance to be as legendary as a lemur? You get the point. We sit down with Josh to talk about this release and his plans for the non-sport and culture segment of the hobby. Luca Nation, episode 613, and this is a special one, man. It's going to be... I always get very excited for these for a variety of reasons, but number one, I got to thank our audience. Uh, You know, without you guys, without your support, without you guys engaging, we wouldn't be at the place we are to get guests like this to make announcements. So I want to welcome Josh to the show, but this is kind of a three-day release, right? So the sports card nonsense guys, they did an amazing job. And if you guys haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen because they give you a really good breakdown into how a Dutch auction works, what Zero Cool is about the release. Uh, you probably heard him on Jay Lee Live. I don't want this episode to just be kind of a recap of those. I want it to be unique. I want it to be different. I don't want to waste your time or the audience's time. Uh, so, Josh, I want to start with what I thought with it. I listened to both. I think the theme was growing the hobby and how tech and specifically Dutch blind auctions are a way to get product into people's hands that deserve it at a fair market price. So I think that's kind of a good way to start. But before all that, man, I appreciate you. I want to welcome Josh Luber, Chief Vision Officer of Fanatics to the show, man. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, congratulations on 612 uh, completed episodes. Um, at, at, at what episode did you guys feel like uh, you have like your chemistry, you're going like, what, where, where's like the 10,000 hour we'll, of like a We'll let you know. We'll yeah. let you know when it happens. <laughs> Nice. You know, we'll let you know when that happens. No, nah, we're. I think we're getting worse, Josh. I think we're getting worse. I think. I think it's we're, like we're, a, yeah, we're like button heads now. Mm. You know, he's digging in. You know, he's not letting me win arguments like I used to win anymore. It must be like we're at that like seven year itch phase of the marriage or something. I don't at, know. At national. Yeah. At national. <laughs> it clicked at national to like see like the the scale of the hobby to see both people who've listened to us in the digital world and then to meet them in real life. And to meet Cage for the first time at National, it was it was pretty cool. It was really humbling because before that, you don't realize the responsibility you have. You know, you kind of just like you, you hit record, you talk, people listen. But then when you realize that your words have repercussions, that was like a big dude, we got we have to do right by our community. We have to do right by our people. And I'm very lucky. I mean, he's the talent. I'm just I'm the operations guy. So And he's honest. So we have that. <laughs> We have that going for us. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you for having me on uh, 613th episode. Hopefully we can make it partially as good as the other 612. So. so so, if you guys haven't listened, go back and listen to the first episode with Josh. That talked about you know what the long-term vision with Fanatics is, all that stuff. Today I want to talk about non-sport, which is what you started with. You yep. On that episode, you were super passionate about it too. You're buying Kim Kardashian autos, all that stuff. And I think you know we all have ideas about how to grow the hobby. Everyone on Instagram has an opinion and Twitter, but I think it's hard to argue that one way to grow the hobby is to create a whole new sector of people who are collectors, who have money and who are pop culture. So can you talk a little bit about non-sports, how that's been received and kind of the vision overall with non-sports that we'll talk tops, Panini and all that stuff? Yeah, this I mean, look, this is is dead on and I appreciate we're we're starting here and I appreciate the fact that um, there are a lot of places to go and and 
learn more about vFriends and, and the release and, and stuff like that. It's, uh, but it's all part of the bigger plan. Um, Zero Cool, the brand, which is a trading card brand for culture for non-sports, um, is actually a, a, um, a product of a, a vision that started in the beginning of 2018, or sorry, beginning of 2019, um, as I was getting back into the hobby, as I was talking to people in the industry, and, and just, you know, I was still at StockX, and just the, the realization of how important the, uh, the people that made the products that we sold on StockX, whether it's sneakers or streetwear or, or handbags, how imp important those people were to culture and, and how that business grew. Just as, a, as a, a data point, side note, StockX today is now somewhere between five to seven times bigger than what we thought the entire resale sneaker market was when we started the business. And the reason why is because sneakers became truly integrated into culture because the people that make culture were then making sneakers. And so as we started this um, journey with Michael Rubin and Fanatics and, and how do we um, grow the hobby, um, sure, you can sell more cards to the same people. Sure, you can bring in more sports fans to collect sports cards, which obviously is, is a huge reason to, to partner with Fanatics and their you know, 80, 90 million sports fans. But the the thing that was so clear as watching the evolution of sneakers was it was the sneaker collabs. It was when Nike stopped just trying to put shoes on an athlete or shoes on a famous person, but then allowing them to come and create it as well. Then that person and the people that follow them care about that so much more. So to take that same analogy, I can try to convince Kim Kardashian fans to buy baseball cards, but they're way more likely to like trading cards if I can make trading cards of Kim Kardashian and her, her friends. So that is the, the high level idea here. And also I, I just, you know, I think that, that some of the, the people and like, whether it's musicians or, or artists or fashion designers, I just think this is, you know, people aren't mono fans, right? Just because I love basketball doesn't mean that I don't also like, you know, fashion or, 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 or design or whatever it is. So it all ties together. So it's a great place to start the conversation. So I'm going to butcher this, but um, Entourage, Remember that like, Turtle was going and getting yeah. those uh, Fukijamas? Mm -hmm. like, you're talking about a collab, a crossover. I think Off-White and Nike kind of changed the game where it was art and collectibles on the same brand and made it very exciting and, uh, and kind of like a part of culture, right? Right. And you look at um, Virgil and Off-White's a perfect example. Um, part of the reason that um, you know, StockX has grown so much and it's become part of culture when we launched StockX in 20, uh, beginning of 2016, Kanye had not yet released a single shoe with Adidas. Virgil was not neither with Louis Vuitton or making shoes with Nike. Travis Scott was making no shoes with Nike. Uh, Pharrell was making no shoes with Adidas. Those four people today make up, I don't have the, the actual numbers anymore, but I'm going to guess 80 plus percent of the dollars sold on StockX and in that industry. And it's because you have people that come in the middle where Virgil Abloh is an architect by trade, was an architect by trade, rest of soul, but, um, and, uh, you know, was, is making uh, clothing at Off-White and is making, designing cars with Maybach and is designing uh, um, uh, DJ equipment, right? So, like, the designers design across. It's not, it's not just a, a sneaker designer or, or any, any of these um, narrow landscapes. It, it's much broader, which gets to the high-level thesis of everything that I've done in my career, which is, it's all converging, whether it's primary market and secondary market, whether it's sneakers and high fashion, whether it's trading cards and, you know, and art, 
like all of this converges because life converges. Life isn't, you know, very clear delineated lines. It's, it's all the same. And that convergence and the ability for all of us, whether it's through the internet or, or through um, other ways that, that we shop and experience that, like everybody has access to all of it. There's no longer that you have to just go to a sneaker store. Like you can buy whatever you want on the internet at the same time. So that convergence is, is the high level uh, force that has been driving all of this. And it's not going back the other way. It's only going to continue to be more and more blurred. What's, I mean, what's interesting. We'll talk about Gary because mm -hmm. Cage said, yep. I would never buy K-Swiss, but when Gary released the collab with K-Swiss, people forget about that. Even 100%. Cage bought a pair. Um, yeah. Yeah. They only had 12s and I'm a size 15. So it made for a bad, you, you for a bad couple days. You squeeze your foot into a 12? No, I just read. So. <laughs> yeah. But the amazing thing about the shoes is, you are a flipper. People are like, what am I going to do with, you know, the Gary V friends cards? That's like the, the typical thing. People buy shoes that are beautiful shoes and they never even wore them. You know what I mean? So like there's yeah. the collector side. It's not just utility. So let's talk a little bit about V friends. I mean, honestly, I don't know personally, and I've been on both sides of this, you know, anything Gary's touched in the last 12 to 18 months has turned to gold. Like at the end of the day, Gabe's got a recognized game. Cage, you and I have been on both sides of this, right? In fairness, it's been like two decades, but most of that has been behind the scenes. You know, I mean, it's he's, that iceberg thing. He he's he's the real deal, and and you know, he's polarizing partly, mainly just because of his communication style and and the way he is. But he's genuinely just an excitable guy and has a, a tremendous amount of energy. But like, he's the real deal on that, and and he's a he's a real operator. But he's also because of V Friends and where. NFTs are right now. Like we obviously debated like what made sense to be our first release product. It was a big deal. But this is about all areas of culture. And right now, NFTs occupy a lane in culture that is becoming more and more important every day. People talk about it every day, positive, negative, everywhere in between. But that's okay. But it is a real part of our culture today. And Gary has created one of the top three NFT projects that exist. Right. So, and he also has the, the connection to trading cards. That's the um, thing. And That's the thing. So it was this like perfect storm of yep. like, of why it made sense to do this. And by the way, that he was hundred percent on board with doing a super high premium, rare limited set so that we could also release the technology platform and the blind Dutch auction mechanism at the same time, which is equally as important to the business. It's, I mean, there's two businesses here that are both, for lack of a kind of less cliche way of saying it, like truly revolutionary. One is a trading card brand for culture, and the other is true market-based pricing, true equitable distribution of product. And, and again, all of that sort of comes in a package that Gary gets that. Gary and I have known each other for a long time. He supported me forever at, at StockX. So it was my sincere honor to be able to, to make high quality product for his, for his NFT project. So it makes sense the you know the the we've talked about the the interplay between the tangible and the intangible right the mm -hmm. digital and the tangible and i think that you know even us in you know in in what we do we get a lot of pushback i mean we, we did an nft we tried to you know we, we call it our first out of you know my first nft people learn how to do it people learn how to mint yeah. you know you got to teach people right you got to sure. do it and stuff like that right so and and pretty much i would think everybody who's bought from us is is, is is happy with what we've done but it it's funny because we're not there yet gary is a perfect i mean listen I remember when you were back on our show, you know, was it around Christmas time, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, could, you could have done Murakami. That's right. a huge NFT project. You love him. You've mentioned him a bunch of times. Yeah. You've done that. But he doesn't have that tie-in to cards. Gary's already right. done a card set. 
He yep. did a remember he did a Bowman X, you know, the 360 uh, set that he did for a national mm-hmm. this year, right? And maybe maybe Murakami is down the road. You know, he'll see this is wow. Look, this this NFT did it. He got all this interest. It's a cool way of doing it, kind of backwards, right? Right. Because part exactly. of what we've talked about, and we talked about it with you, was you're a card company, right? When we 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 mentioned Fanatics and what you guys were going to do down the road, and we asked about digital. It was digital, and you're like digital will be here, but remember. Digital will be a play off of tangible, right? The, the physical cards. We are a physical card company. There's always going to be room for digital. But so, so even though it's an NFT brand, even though the IP is from the, an NFT, you went out and did a card set, a physical mm-hmm. manifestation of that IP. I think it's a really cool way of doing it. And uh, I mean, Gary's brand, forget about it. I mean, right. I'm buying it. Right. And just guys, before I mean, I don't know if we want to go through the whole Dutch auction process. It's been explained, but I can tell you, I've done this. Like I bought a Bowman, uh, the the StockX Bowman Chrome X. Yep. Like I got a case of that. I bought a single mm-hmm. box of that. I opened it. The process is very clean. Yep. Right. And it, and it's you said equitable. I'll use the word. It's equitable, right? You know, you put in what you want to pay, right? And if what you want to pay fits in the you know in the clearing price, you know, if it's if it's if it's enough, you get the you get the product. Right. And, and if you're not offering enough, it's because the market said that the product is worth more than what you're willing to pay. I That's mean, right. it's about as can we, as before that, we right? jump into Dutch auction cage, mm-hmm. can we so something I'm curious about? And I think you would be, too, because, you know, Ga- people see Gary as a loud talker. You're absolutely right. People don't see the creative side of Gary. So if, if I could be a fly on the wall to like one of those first meetings where you guys decided to do this, if you could kind of give me a preview of that, because. People don't realize Gary thinks through stuff. Like if you guys just saw what V Friends One versus V Friends Two looks like, there's not a. It's not like random that the first ones were kind of like basic and the second ones are much more produced. Yep. He thinks through this stuff. So if, could you share like what the creative process was like coming up with the cards, and then we'll get into Dutch auction. Yeah, no, that that's a that's a good um, it's a good question, a good insight in looking at that because he is now in the process of of. Um, uh, getting ready to launch V Friends V2. Um, so the moment that uh, V Friends came out, um, like, I mean, probably like literally within, you know, hours, I texted Gary and I was like, hey, I was like, I haven't read you in on this yet, but I need to read you in on what we're working on. Um, and, uh, you know, and I basically told him that we were working on Zero Cool trading card cult. And he's like, well, obviously I'm going to do trading cards at some point. And he's like, he's like, well, we, and that was it. And it was like, literally it was, it was as simple as that from a, um, you know, conversation. Like I said, it obviously would have been much different if I haven't known him for years and, and he hasn't been, uh, you know, a supporter. Um, so it was very, it was very simple. Um, you know, Gary is also extremely, um, loyal and extremely, uh, you know, people work with people that they like and, and work with. Right. So, uh, so that was the easy part, um, frankly. Um, and then when we got into the design, um, we made it very clear, like, it's your product. It, we're the manufacturer. It's your product. And so we took the direction from him in terms of what he wanted him to look. Was it going to be just the, the character on there or was it going to be, you know, a whole background or whatever it is? And, and he wanted it to be clean, the character itself. We obviously then took it back and had our card people work on the, um, you know, the design of the card itself, where the etching was going to be, you know, what the different. But the, the parallel system matches VFriends identical identically um in terms of you know in v friends there's six different one-on-ones bubblegum you know etc um so that that all matched up so it was a, it was actually a, a very um or a relatively uh easy process to work with him on that 
And um, for a first card release from us, I mean, look, there's only a handful of, of card manufacturers. We get to work with the same manufacturers that make cards for Panini and, and Tops and Upper Deck and have card designers on our team that have worked for, for Panini and Upper Deck. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I was blown away by the quality of this. I was like, I was a little bit worried at being our first release. So, um, yeah, every, every part of it really came together, uh, came together well. And I got to tell you, because we're obviously in the midst of making many other sets, they're not all this simple. They're not all this easy and you don't have a partner um, as good as Gary to do that. So I really appreciate that, that he was willing to put that in our hands. And by the way, a lot of people would have said, hey, go do a couple of releases. Like, we'll see how your brand looks and we'll come back. And they don't want to be first to do it. But yeah. Gary was like, absolutely, I want to be first and, and do that. And so a, uh, I, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, what would you call it? It would be like uh, you know, a willing guinea pig, although it doesn't really, yeah. doesn't really go. Yeah. It would have to be a G. But yeah, I mean, that's basically yeah. and good for him. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to be fine. I mean, I will get a box. Uh, I'll figure out a way. I'm going to put in all kinds of different bids and stuff. But the, the clean part about it, when you talk about the Dutch stuff, well, my favorite thing is, is you know, the way you're bidding on this is um, I have bid on other – traditional Dutch auctions where a pack is released and it starts at $750 for a pack and then it works its way down and you're like, okay, I'm going to get now. I want to make sure I get a pack and I get a pack at $710 and then it's down to 680 and I'm like, all right, maybe I'll grab another one here, you know, right, dollar cost right. average, you know, you sort wow, of hate the process because you could have bought it for less. That always, yeah. I mean, and head. then it's like 600 and then it's five and you're like, wow, yeah. I over, let me buy a bunch now and I get a high and, uh, and yeah, uh-huh. you're like, wow, you, you, you know, you feel like, and and here you are, the person that the company should be trying to please the most, the one who wanted it so badly that you were willing to bid seven hundred and ten right when the auction started coming down. Right. And you're the one who's left already before you even have the product in your hand. You're left with a bad taste in your mouth because you feel like you overpaid. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, and you avoid I, that with what you're doing. I really wish that. Um that these two that a dutch auction didn't actually refer to both of them so that's what's what's called a declining dutch auction correct um and this is uh, a blind dutch auction and the it's it's night and day i mean it literally like couldn't be uh it couldn't be different and it couldn't end in a different result in the declining dutch auction um you have a scenario where everybody pays a different price or most people pay a different because and you're constantly in a you know, FOMO uh, situation, you're constantly, you know, worried about, you know, should I buy it, not, is it sell out? Um, and everybody, except for one person or one tier, pays more than somebody else, right? So it's, all of that is illogical to the, the um, just the notion of, well, first of all, just the notion of fairness, but also supply and demand, which is, if you're all buying the same asset, the same widget, whatever it is, at the exact same time, well, the market price dictates that it, the market price can only be one price at one time. So everyone should be paying the same amount. And you also shouldn't put people through the, um, the kind of fear part of, uh, you know, it, it's, look, it's a game. It's a game, and the companies that, that do that end up making more money that way. Um, and, look, you can't argue that someone, look, they paid what they were willing to pay. So yep. that's fine. You, you, can't, you can't disagree with that. But um, what's really um, – if you think about that as a comparison to a blind Dutch auction and how it works, first of all, it's worth noting, and I say this every time, we didn't make this up, right? right. This, you know, this has been a very common mechanism of pri- uh, pricing scarce assets and how IPOs of some, uh, some equities work. Um, I mean, I'm betting someone Dutch set it up. <laughs> you know what? I don't even know. That's a good, a good I should probably look into that. Um, 
but in in a blind Dutch auction where you're setting a clearing price that that everybody is is pays that clearing price, right? The the lowest winning bid. So to go through, so if there's ten items that are available for sale, mm -hmm. the top ten bids win, but the lowest winning bid of those ten becomes the clearing price, and everyone pays the clearing price. So the top bid is a thousand dollars, but the tenth highest bid is four hundred. Everybody pays four hundred, even the person that pays a thousand dollars. So. There's three fundamental elements of fairness here. One, the 10 people who are willing to pay the most money, they get the product. So that's fair, right? They were willing to pay the most. Two, they're all buying the same asset at the exact same time. So they all pay the same price. That also is fairness. And three, no one can argue that this isn't a fair market price because these 10 people were all willing to pay at least this much, right? And nobody is upset if they pay less than what they bid. So nine in that case, nine out of ten. But you know, for V friends, I'm gonna guess it's probably closer to like 97, 98 percent of the people who will get the product for less than what they bid. So yep. everybody ends up happy in that situation, even though the clearing price will almost always end up being more than what the retail price would have been. And but that's a function of the fact that retail pricing for trading cards is completely bonkers like yep. it's it's absolutely asinine to sell supply and demand driven products at a retail price like it's it's antiquated the second you put it on the shelf like the market sets the price for trading cards wow. and the history of of this whole industry is the manufacturers and the retailers have been using fixed price have been using retail and everybody else in the industry everybody else gets to use market price gets to use variable price and it changes every single day but the manufacturers, and by the way, the leagues and the partners and all the people, they've all been, uh, so this is why you see things like Panini creating a, a declining Dutch auction to figure out how to at least like get some more fair share of the pie for themselves. And I don't, I don't doubt that. But we spent years talking to economists, talking to professors, studying markets to try to figure out what is the right way to release high demand, high, uh, high value product. And like, I truly believe I'm biased, but I'm truly believe this is the right way to do this. And, you know, not to like toot our own horn or whatever, but like after the first big release at StockX, Harvard Business School reached out to us and said, hey, we think this is actually the right way to sell this stuff. Um, and they did a case study about StockX and me and, and the whole thing. So, you know, I didn't get to Harvard through the front door, but now I'm in a, in a case study at Harvard. So, you know, at least somebody thinks that we're doing it the right way. I so got it's, a question for exciting. you. I mean, I yep. love that. You came in last time and this time are like nothing's off limits. Ask away. Yeah, you know that I'm a lunatic who rants like crazy, and you never know what the hell I'm going to ask. And yet you came back. You know, you asked. You said, "Hey, I'll go on your show." You're, you're a charming story. lunatic. Yeah, uh -huh. but I am a lunatic nonetheless. So I, here I ask. I have a very good memory. Um, I've read all of the 56 pages many, many times. I've listened to every one of your 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 interviews. Well, not everyone. That would take a long time. But your TED talks and all your mm -hmm. fun stuff. You compare the sneaker flipping to cards, and you talk about how the kids who come in this, who build up the hobby, are able to flip the sneakers. They're making money. And that's, that was an appealing thing to the kids to come into this hobby and kind of build this hobby up. How do you reconcile that with this type of pricing? Because so, to me, shoot, go ahead. You, no, if, no, if that's this, enough. This, this, no, this doesn't go away. This is the best part about it. Okay. So in, um, in a traditional release scenario, um, you have, let's just take like, um, you know, last year's like prison blaster boxes at, at target where, yep. you know, it says 20 bucks on it and it sells it. They're selling for $20 at target, yep. but are immediately reselling eBay for $75. Perfect so example. what happens? Um, who, first of all, who wouldn't buy 
a $20 widget that's worth $75 yep. that, that there's a liquid market. So you don't even have to care about cards. Once you realize that there's a, there's an arbitrage there, everybody is going to want to try to get this. Yeah. So now you end up with people sleeping outside of target people and shoot off the people. Yeah. Right. And, oh, a thousand percent. Right. This is the evolution of this because it's free money sitting on the shelf for, for anybody, which is crazy. Like there's, there's no other industry that would ever just put free money on the shelf. And it's like, whoever gets there first gets free money. Right. So the, the right way to, to resolve that is to price products appropriately and create a, an equitable system. So we believe this is the right equitable system. And the Dutch auction part, which is the part where you create a clearing price, which is the lowest winning bid, what that does is it essentially takes money out of our pocket, out of the manufacturer's pocket, and gives it to the buyers. That is their arbitrage because any release of any product, any blind Dutch auction that happens, the ones going on right now with Gary, we will get, I don't know, probably 10, 20,000 bids. I'm not sure. It'll, it, there'll be some lot of bids, but it's not the whole world, right? right? And any release is only a sample of the population at large. You know, there's only so many people that'll hear about it, that'll come do it, et cetera. But the second it ends, the second that those people have it, and then they want to go and sell it on the secondary market to eBay or, or wherever. Now, this is open to the whole world. Every, this is now the whole world market. So if, if the clearing price, if the top bid was $1,000 and the clearing price ends up as $400, that means that the true market price is actually somewhere between $1,000 and $400. There's that amount of ceiling. So if somebody buys it, what they're going to do is they'll have the opportunity to flip it probably let's say for maybe 700 bucks, which by the way, if this was a $50 retail you know, product, right? You'd go from 50 to 700. So there's way less profit, 400, 700, way less profit than 50 to 700 if you're following me, right? But you're deciding who gets the product at that $400 in a fair way. In the other way, you're relying on just mass chaos and bedlam and yeah, however- and bribery. You get it. Yes, exactly. And so there's still upside, right? The, the delta in what the, the market value ultimately will be because of the mechanism of, of using a clearing price and taking it down. There's in that case, 98% of those people or whatever it is, were willing to pay more than what we actually charge. So there's still room for people to flip that product and make money if they want, or they can keep it knowing that they've now got a product for less than what its value is. How much is this a testing ground for future releases? I'm not saying you're going to do all Everything's of a testing ground. Everything, right? There, we, will, we will figure out, does this make sense to do for, for cards, for sport cards, for different products? And by the way, we will continue to create and use other mechanisms to effectuate market-based pricing. Breaking is an example of market-based pricing where you're, you're selling it in a different form in, in smaller slots, but you're still getting to what is a true price for that and letting the market set it. So we will test many different uh, methods, we'll, both on the technology side and just the, the business side. And the idea is to um, iterate into a holistic distribution and pricing strategy so that you can have product that sits on the shelf at Target that's 20 bucks and it's worth 20 bucks and whoever wants to can go in there and buy it whenever they want for $20. If it's only worth $20 and it's being sold at $20, it, it, you won't have all these, these problems, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, by the way, and then the high-end stuff is, is sold direct to consumer, is a blind Dutch auction. And you can, also, you can also iterate and test who participates. So distributors are, are very concerned right now, rightfully so. They're very concerned about, and, and hobby shops. 
are concerned about where their allocations will come and, and how, right? We, the, they're not leaving the industry. Like, it is very, very important that hobby shops and distributors stay a part of this industry. But there may be products that the distribution method from us to them is by using a blind Dutch auction. Maybe the way that we price it is to say, hey, the only people that can participate in this are the distributors. And this is just how we decide how to price it. But it's not open to the world at large. It's just open to the distributors or just to the hobby shops or whomever. All of this is, is iterative to, to figure this out. You know who I'd be a little more scared for? The secondaries. Because I envision a situation where Josh, you know, yeah, it's tight, but I'm sure mm. it's hiding a humongous brain under there where not this release, but when you have enough data and enough stuff going on, where maybe it's a basketball release, maybe it's, um, you know, Tops Chrome, who knows, right? And you're releasing the cases of it, boxes of it, and you've completed this blind Dutch auction, and you now are sending out the clearing price, the email, and on the bottom of the email, hey, Cage, you know, your blind Dutch auction bid was higher than the clearing price, so you're able to get two cases of this at the clearing price of $2,000 a case, whatever the heck it is. We're just going to roll it out there. Yep. By the way, uh, we have your shipping address as this, but if you want... Click this button, and your case will remain on the Zero Cool platform for reselling at a 10% fee to Zero Cool slash Fanatic slash whoever it was, sort of like you had in StockX. Yep. Because I think with Bowman Chrome X, you did that, right? Yep. And now it's not on eBay. And now yep. I don't even have to take possession of it. It doesn't come to me. You guys have it, and there's an automatic flipping secondary market, you know, you name it right there. Click a button. I have one case sent home. One case remains on the secondary sales platform, and you guys are a one-stop shop. Sound yeah. crazy? It's not at all crazy. Um, it's the concept of an integrated customer experience, allowing the customer to do whatever they might want to do with that product, is not only an opportunity for us. We kind of look at it as our obligation to, to set the framework for that because the product starts with us. By the way, it doesn't mean that we do those things right. right we may partner with people we may you of know like, but like the if you step all the way back and say what's the goal of all this the goal of all this is to grow the hobby yep the only way you grow the hobby is by bringing more people in and the um the uh, any to play on that is to have a uh, an easy experience that uses technology to make it easy for people to learn easy for people to transact easy for people to do the things they want to do in the hobby whether that's breaking, grading, reselling, vaulting, insurance, all of that. And Ruben hinted at this at some of his uh, um, conversations uh, on air, and people took it the wrong way that we were saying, oh, that Fanatics is just going to go and, and do everything and, and run the whole thing. That's not what he was saying. That's the, the idea is that we have to be thinking about that as from the customer experience and make it easy from a technology standpoint that they do that. Maybe that means that we have a partnership with, with PSA, right? Um, and you know, we do that. Maybe we create our own grading company. I don't right. know. That that might be less likely than creating a partnership with PSA or or Beckett or who knows. But the customer wants to break to grade a card that they pull out of a pack from us. So if we're not thinking about how to make that easy for them to do, then like this stuff doesn't work, right? You a lot can't of people don't have a scale. A lot of people don't realize that the boom. I'll go back to it because I know it was success. And by the way, the packaging was amazing. And I used to use the box with the little padding in it and stuff yeah, to yeah. ship other cards out and stuff. The Bowman Chrome X was a great release. And I had a Tatis, so I was a happy oh, customer. Well, so, nice. yeah, nice. so out of 99, every card, Andrew, in this release was already graded PSA 9 or 10. Yeah. So they guaranteed you 
that it was going to be a mint or better card in the mm-hmm. release in the in the box. But I'll tell you what, that was a good example to your earlier point on testing and iterating. In retrospect, that was not necessary because, as you know, there's only four hits in that box. So, do you do you really need all those commons graded? It added cost, it added time, and so you know, in the future, you know, you know, we didn't do that, but. It was nice to if you hit a Tatis, if you hit a Vlad, if you hit a yep. Peter Alonso to have that already graded. That was pretty cool. Yep. Hit a ten. That was different. Like this all sounds good in a vacuum, but like you know that gladiator line, like you win the audience, you win your freedom. You win the crowd, you win your freedom. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, like, is the the hobby's an outspoken bunch of dudes? And the girls are also like, but, but the hobby's loud. And they are objecting to anything. That's new. That's innovative. That's all. Do you know what the starting up? Do you know what the number one objection we've heard in since we launched this? The number one. Wait, the number one objection. The number since one. You there's always there's always haters. There's always people that are. Since you launched zero cool like, or the Gary specific. Well, it's the same thing. But for, on the Gary V on the V Friends release, the number one. It's and it's been very clear over the last 24 hours as we continue to, to re, we read everything and people email us. What do you think the number one complaint from the hobby has been? You want to take a shot? You go, Cage. I'm going to guess if I start with one, I'm not going to stop till I get it. So <laughs> well, I, listen, I think they probably have an issue with what you chose to be your first release. So I think people are okay. going to be like, why is it Gary? Why are you doing an NFT thing where you're, you're, you know, you're a card company, you're sports. Well, I mean, you're obviously doing non-sports, mm-hmm. non-sports and culture. Yep. Why are we doing, why are we doing, yep. meanwhile, okay. you know, that, that, that's not, that's not the answer. That's not the answer. No, you want to take a shot? The number one complaint by far is that there is a 40 box limit. Huh. People people want to buy more. People want like and and we made it a 40 box limit. Um, I mean, it's only 800 boxes. Right, there's only 800 boxes. There's four there's four boxes in a case. It's a nice round 10 you can buy 10 cases. By the way, just create a separate second account. It's like it's not a big deal. Like we ju- we just did it to try to make it a little bit you know, a little bit distributed. That's crazy. But yeah, yeah. And by the way, number two is that there's no international purchases yeah, yeah, and that, shipping. That, yeah, yep. And and obviously there. we, yeah. I mean that that's you know there's tariffs and and shipping and and taxes and stuff like that that we just haven't been able to to work through yet. But we will absolutely get get that done asap. Um, and we'll probably you know in the future not have any limit on the stuff. But we just figured that we wanted it to be. People have more chance to get it, but the number one thing is people want to buy more. So, well, you kind of set us up for that one. That's not a oh, thousand percent. It's yeah. not a problem. A thousand percent. But no, you guys get did start. I'm just saying that it's what people have been complaining about the most because you were noting, yeah. rightfully so, that the hobby is very loud and they're not shy yep. about sharing their opinions. It's true. Have, Listen, have, we, have you I, ripped any packs, Josh? Have you ripped any packs of the product? Um, yes. Yeah, so Gary and I uh, opened one box together each. Um, live on his uh, on his feed. Um, I actually I have my cards here. I have uh, I got I pulled one of the one of one autograph cards from him. Um, this is level headed lizard uh, who I was not familiar with before I pulled this back. But it's um so this is a uh, it's an autograph one and it's um, like gunmetal or I think is the the name of that thing. And then I also have a a non autograph one one which is. Um, uh, I, this guy's called like 1997, 
which is yeah, like, I still don't know why. Born in 1990s. Who was born in yeah. 1997? I think is the name of it, right? Yeah. Who was born, who, in, 1997? Who was born in 1997? Yep. Which uh, was not me. I'm much older than me that. Um, so. But anyway, um, maybe, but maybe Gary graduated high school then, and that's when he feels like no, like, he's older than that. No, he's older than that because I graduated high school in '95, and he's older than me. So, but the, um, I got to tell you, and I feel I'm biased, but I was so pleased with the overall quality of these, and um, yeah, I just I think yeah. it's gonna be great. I think it's great. So, a couple things: one, zero cool. How do you name a product after what people in the hobby call Andrew? I mean, he's got, no, he's got, he's, he's not cool at all. I mean, they call him zero cool. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just playing. But, but more importantly, with a name like that, you better make sure your tech is up to speed, right? And your computer better not crash. You know, mm-hmm. your server looks good so far. I mean, it can't be one of the 1,507 servers that crashes in one day. Hell yeah, that's right. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been so heartwarming to hear how many people uh, have seen hackers or no hackers. And uh, as part of it, I gotta be honest, like it's, just been you know such an important movie and thing that i've loved all my life i've i've always just wanted to name a company zero cool like truly and uh i used to use it as my like alias on like <laughs> on like uh in chat rooms or whatever and and i just and it just it just fit for this and then so i yeah. want to know what's next because i have i made myself a logan paul mm-hmm. right i made myself a little logan paul so i got i got my logan paul not charizard but I got you got you got your kid and play card in there. I got my kid yeah. and play card on there. You see that one of our audience members said, "Oh, Josh is going to be on your show, and he's going to be doing, uh, you know, non sports and culture." And he sent me a whole pack. Nineteen ninety one rap pack. Look at that. You got you should. That's you a should, kid rock. I, so I'm very familiar with that set. You should get an an XL size chain and do the the big like. So this is, um, I don't know if it's the only one, but so check that out. That's a PSA 10 from 1969 on a paper thin card. Um, and like, just how awesome is that picture and the color of that from like 1969. So yeah, get yourself an oversized chain to do the oversized, uh, uh, you, you were on our show and uh, Andrew, I love that you did your research for this, man. You came in. I I don't know if you could tell, watching YouTube, I was like, you can see my face guys, but about an hour into our last show, you have like an hour and 15 minutes. We don't want to kill you with the time again, but now when you did, you showed us that card, mm-hmm. you had a Kim Kardashian card, and you spent time talking about non-sports culture cards. You also had, uh, yeah, the Hendrix. You had uh, Abraham Lincoln, eighteen eighty-seven yeah. advertisement card as well. That and, card um, is um, that card is unbelievable. I don't have that in front of me now, but I actually do have my like single favorite culture card in front of me, um, which is. Have you guys seen this this Beatles Cassius Clay card? Yes, I have. I so have. There, there's two different versions. Um, there's the there's the horizontal version, and then there's a vertical version. Um, and this is the only 10. Um, and uh, well, it's over here. This is the only PSA 10 from the two. And just not that we don't all love the national anyway, but I was just walking by a table, and I caught this out of the corner of my eye from a couple of feet away that they even had this card. So I went over, and it happened to be the only 10 in existence. And like, I mean, just the serendipity of like, and it was like on a corner, like I, like I totally could have missed it. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable. Right. And like, look at that. That is, that is the Beatles and Cassius Clay in the famous like photo shoot from when, you know, like that is as iconic. Those people are as iconic as any athlete ever as important. And the fact that I found the 10, because I have, I mean, these are all the same card. Like it's all, I mean, yeah, you got the 10. That's crazy. I have, I have a lot of them. 
um, I just think that that when you look at different cards and culture, that this one in particular is is special. Um, but I have Hendrix, I have um, so Kim Kardashian, it, I, have, I have all. Of it bridges everything, right? Even our yes. podcast, which yes. you know we we talk about sports cards, right? You know, where do you think Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze comes from? It's a play on mm -hmm. lions, tigers, and bears. Thousands that's a 1940 yep. Wizard of Oz card, right? And I mean. It's a, for anybody to say, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe uh, you know this is the big fanatics news. You know we were waiting for we're waiting for Frism. We were waiting. You know, I mean, obviously everybody wants that. You know, we were waiting for national treasures, and we get this. We get. To, I gotta tell you, I'm excited about it. I mean, one of our listeners made this. You want to tell Josh about this? Oh yeah, this Elon Musk. But absolutely. I mean, this is a really cool. Remember what what he did. Uh, Andrew, tell tell Josh what he did with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this before, like and if this was for CryptoPunks for like three dollars, still he he pulled this one out. So he graded that with SGC. That was uh, I think Elon's rookie, but he also minted an NFT. And everyone that got that card, it has a serial number on the back. He sent the serial number NFT to people. Yeah, that's pretty it's crazy. crazy. He's been he's been a big supporter of non-sport cards, and and he and I've talked about this sort of stuff. And I think like a lot. Shout out, yeah, great great example of. <laughs> Like, Elon Musk is like is way more important in our culture than um, you know to, to our day to day lives and, and the evolution of the things that we we do than than LeBron or or Steph or Luca or any of them, right? Yep. So I, I love the fact that you know that he chose that to make that card and so yeah. There's so, so many ways to go. Real, real go ahead. What do you think these things are going to do in the secondary, right? So like. And I don't know how to ask this the right way. Like, there's collectors or people that who want to make money, and there's probably yep. a little bit of both. How do you think about that, right? Like, you want collectors, people buy it and you know hold it for 20 years, but there are people that like love the hustle and the flip, right? A lot of yeah. this started from trash talk, and I'm going to ask you about Little V after. But like, a lot of this started from trash talk and like, hey guys, you know, if you don't have a job or things aren't going well or you have a job and you want to make an extra 500 bucks, mug life, take this, flip it. So there are, that is part of Gary's crowd. He's oh, done yeah. really well by those people. How do you guys think of these on the secondary, just to set people's expectations right? Yeah, uh, I got to be honest. I'm a little bit worried that the clearing price is going to be too high um, because um, people are excited that it's the first zero cool release. It's Gary, it's V Friends, and, and it's pretty limited. Um, but I also, I mean, we spent a lot of time to figure out how do we actually make create real value in the 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 set um gary han sketched 15 cards he autographed um i forget the exact number but he autographed a bunch more um there's a a, a decent number of, of 101s relative to the size of the set and the quality is really high including the box so hopefully um because that that ultimately is what it drives it if if people don't find value in the product and, and in the chase elements then you know it it loses it and the last part is i know with 100% certainty that Gary's mission for the entire rest of his life is to make V Friends as real and as important of a brand and IP as Star Wars and Harry Potter. And, and I mean, he said it and it's true. Just look what he's done in the last year. You know, VCon is already, you know, in planning, you know, V2 is in place. So I'm also willing to bet on Gary and V Friends as a brand that long term it becomes worth money. So for all those reasons, no matter what the clearing price is, I think over time this product goes up in value. I think it's just a question of, of how much and, and where it gets to. So. My last comment, Cage, you could go. If, if you guys go back, there's one YouTube video. Uh, it's called Little V. Gary came out with it, I think, in 2019. 
And he had the vision of it being like kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon that was funny, entertaining, but also taught people really good life lessons. Honestly, the, the late, great Kobe Bryant, if you guys go back and listen, he did a podcast called The Punies, which was just amazing. And it taught a lot of lessons about competition, sports, life through a voice podcast. I can see V Friends becoming like a Saturday morning cartoon, because if you think about all the characters and you think about Gary's brand, kindness, patience, macro speed, micro, uh, micro speed, macro patience, all of these yeah, things. Hot shit Hornet. Cry. I mean, that's a Saturday morning cartoon right there. That's about you, bro. Hot that's shit. about you. Let's go, hot shit. Like, but like, I, I my kids will love that. How he goes to that. I'm yeah. wondering, does that have, does that add value to the cards long term? I think that's part of the excitement of all of this. We don't know and we get to figure it out. And some oh, people I, are like, it's worth the bet. Some people are like, I'm going to sit and watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for Gary, um, but I do, I do think there's a, a cartoon that he's talked about or, or that, that I think he'd like to do that. And it, it makes total sense. I mean, he has been very clear that the, the growth of this, like this is his star Wars, this is his, you know, a Pokemon, whatever. But like, think about if you had the opportunity to buy the first box of Pokemon, knowing what Pokemon would become back then. Right. Or, or any of that stuff and just knowing where, where IP goes. So um, I think that's probably driving, uh, you know, bids. It's probably driving, you know, some of it. Um, but I'll tell you, for on a personal note, um, I am going to buy some boxes and cases myself. Um, and I'm planning on sitting on them. You know, I opened the, the one box with Gary. I might open one or two more. But I'm planning on sitting on the cases because, you know, I have, like, all the belief in the world in, in Gary and V-Friends. I'm going to tell you why it's genius. And, you know, go ahead. You can take a bow. You know, I usually beat up our guests. No, but, but so you can take a bow on this. And Gary, too. Uh, give him some credit. Why it's genius to start with this is... Carvin did a great job with his weekend card, right? He did. It was a beautiful card. A leaf. I mean, it is what it is. You know, Palm Century, they have people on their cards. They have, you know, brands and whatnot. You are going to do more brands. You're going to do more stuff okay. after this. 100%. Yep. But you know what I didn't see with the weekend release? I didn't see the weekend opening a box of them. I didn't see the weekend tweeting about them. I didn't see the weekend basically confirming that you can buy this product and know that you have the full faith and credit of the Gary V behind it, right? Yep. He's going to be talking about it. He's going to be building up the brand. He's going to be, you know, tweeting about it. There's going to be continued interest from him yep. about what you're buying. Whereas the weekend is off doing his thing, you know, yep. and he's, you know, he's blinded by the light. He's not involved with the arts, <laughs> nice. right? So, you know, I mean, it's not, it's the same thing with a lot of these other, you know, pop culture things. That's why I think it's a, it's a genius move and why I think you're right. Um, you know, from a secondary market perspective, just from a long-term value proposition, I mean, it, it's it's a smart play for a first release. Thank you, I appreciate it. And you know, there's there's more coming. Um, you know, and it'll start. There'll be there'll be traditional IP like TVs and movies. There'll be things that are more like stock ish where it brands and individual you know groups of, of people. Um, I think that um, you know you mentioned Murakami earlier. Yep. I think the most interesting categories of, of people for culture for us, for anyone that does this are um, one uh, musicians. And so, you know, Carvin did the weekend. We'll see what else he does there. I'm glad that, that people are going on that path. One is musicians and two is artists, uh, you know, for, for all the reasons that, that are obvious, I, you know, so, but it's not easy to do this because from a licensing standpoint, yep. 
When you make basketball and baseball cards and football, you only need to get two licenses, the league and the PA. That's it. If I wanted to do a set that's 200 musicians, I'd have to go sign 200 deals with each one of those people. And they all have managers and PR reps and the, and the whole thing. So these are the sort of things we're working through right now about how do we solve that? Because the demand is there. Customers, collectors would love if you had a set of like the 200 best rappers or the, the you know, 50 you know, best you know. You could do uh, better than this. Thank you, Young Deal. Right. Young deal for you could do better than this, I'm sure. Right. Right. It's All cool card. You, do in, you don't, you don't in, like the high top cage? <laughs> no, I like the haircut, but the card. You can do better than the card. Right. You can do better than the card. And if you're doing TV, I will yeah. never sell this. I open this. I pulled it myself. Look at this. You, I you're can't my see age. It. That is the two Jackson brothers from Different Strokes. Arnold oh. and Willis. So it's uh, Gary Coleman and Todd Bridges. Nice. I pulled I'm, this. I'm, I'm on my phone, so it's hard for me to see. That's awesome. That's I really pulled cool. this card. It's like an 08 product. I was trying That's to get awesome. UFC card. That's the other problem with non-sport, right? Like you can right. dedicate it towards, the, you know, a Yo MTV rap set. Right. You know, throwback. Right. You can dedicate it towards music. You can do, you know, you can have, you know, Dr. Dre, the other one, and Ed Lover. You know, you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can oh, do a great. whole, whereas the this is an 08 Donruss set, I believe, Donruss Americana, where I was buying a box hoping to get Randy Couture and George St. Pierre UFC cards. Because that was what it was pre-tops, and I open it up, and instead of getting a, a Randy Couture or or a, a you just a snuck Pierre, that in there. No, it was all. That's the thing. It was it was a it was a blended brand. You know, these cards have been you know pop century. You name it. Yeah. It's it's a bunch of everything, which is which is, is that fine. how UFC that's, was viewed then? It was UFC was viewed dude, as non. Oh nine. Oh nine was tops. That was the first wow. UFC yeah. release. I mean, there was some Pride stuff in Japan and stuff like that, but oh nine tops was the first release. Before that. You had like ring kings, and you had you know they they were they were they were part of a release like this. I'm telling you, I bought this box to try to get a UFC card. That's yeah. what I got, but I love it. So, I love it. Sorry, real quick before while we're still showing cards, I want to. Yes, this is also. Have you guys oh, seen these I love cards? Those. Yep. So this is the the Matt Groening uh, Groening hand drawn Simpsons cards. I have a Bart and a Homer. Some of the some of the ones have like a, it's just like don't have a cow man yeah. or like cool stuff there. But like this is from a 1993 Skybox set. You know they're number to 400. Um, like, why isn't like you'll see a set that's like, uh, you know, hand drawn sketches from Murakami or, or from you know, from other Rick artists. and Morty yeah. apparently is like the funniest right. thing ever. 1971, Tom and Jerry. Th that's, that's what I awesome. grew up on. Just that's amazing. I can't see the grade on that. What's the grade on that? PSA 8. Nice. National a month show. later, you guys dropped mm -hmm. just this huge news. Fanatics, you take it over licenses, take it over the world. Are you having fun? Like, oh, we, Cage and I was asking. This is a dream come true. Are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. I get to make baseball cards. When I was 10, the only two things I cared about in the world were sneakers and baseball cards. And I got to do one, and now I get to do the other. It's, it's unbelievable. And I, I can't be more grateful to people like Michael, Michael Rubin, and, and Gary, and, and the people that have supported us to do this because, you know, I get to go here and, and do this. But, um, you know, there was maybe one, other, one person in the world that could have pulled off the licenses and, and do that. And he believed in, in the idea and the vision that I put in front of him and, and sort of why we should go do this. And to have Gary, you know, to, like all, it's, you know, what, what's, it takes a village, right? To, ha to have the, the people that do this. And then I get to be doing this and talking to you guys about baseball cards. And it's, like, it's amazing. It's so much fun. Listen, I love it. All right, so mm. that's it. You know, we got we're, we're going to let you go because we have to be respectful of your time. One, I'm going to give credit to whoever it is in your house that's taking care of the toy poodle. Mm -hmm. the toy poodle, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. it. Didn't come running in. Everything's great. 
he's been he's been going classes. He's been like, yeah, yeah. He's he's learning not to bark at people. So I mean, that's it. It's working. It's working. So that's one and two. Amazing. More important. You know, we try. Amazing. Remember that. Yeah, yeah. The the next the next part is um you know you're not going to have any big great stuff for the folks, but you know what's your outlook? Not just for for you know for fanatics. If it's just a zero cool outlook, you know, do you really envision that this is going to bring more people into the hobby and then that they are going to become sports card collectors? Is the goal of something like this to just kind of make the pie bigger? Is that the story? That's what we're trying to do? A thousand percent it is, but um, we're never going to see what we saw at the end of 20 and beginning of 21 again. Like that massive spike and a massive drop like that level of volatility is nuts and like if you go back and look at it and so you know i've had a lot of people ask me like oh when are trading cards gonna like boom again and the answer is they will slowly but like the market is smarter now people understand that like we're not gonna have that this is gonna be a slow measured growth as we continue to slowly bring people in slowly build infrastructure technology products that that reach other consumers and also it's, it's worth noting as both we're all very hyper aware of psa and bgs you know slowly opening up releases and uh, um you know grading uh service levels but tops upper deck and panini have all been dealing with supply chain issues with regard to production that'll get worked out right like people will build more printing manufacturers and and like that'll get worked out and we'll get to a place where they can make as much product as makes sense to make. And you're not, you know, have we gotten a Panini NBA product yet? I don't think so, right? With the, with the, the new rookies? There are I some, but, you know, not, not Prism, but like right. Donruss and, and Hoops, like, the, you know, the entry level stuff. The, the, Dude, the we ones haven't that come got out NFL. First. We haven't right. got NFL Prism. And the season's right. over. Right. right. <laughs> but Tom, so like, Tops yeah. has no problem printing as much Tops flagship as you want. I mean, we, and they don't even have, they're not even playing the season yet. Right. Right. So, so, but, but, so what I'm saying is, is, yeah, this is all good. It's all about the growth of the hobby, but people should be measured. It's not going to be that your cards 5X in value in three weeks like it did before. So, yeah. Listen, it's, I mean, it's, it's smart. It's, it's set the expectation, right? Because um, mm-hmm. there are people who expect 10X, you know, and those people, you know, they just buy kabooms. So it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. I'm just playing. What do you got, Andrew? Go Any final thing? I just want to wrap up and say thank you. First, I want to say thank you to AC. Um, thank you for thinking of us. She set it up. She's amazing at what she does. So thank you to her. She is. Uh, she works with Josh. Uh, thank you to our audience, man. Thank you, Luca Tiger NFT holders, man. This is for you guys. You know, we're very, very fortunate. We don't take this responsibility lightly to get huge guests like this uh, on our show. We really appreciate it. Uh, and and we want you back. Sponsors. You know, next release, whatever it is, come back. Shout out whatnot. Shout out SGC, who's doing things well and turning cards around in 21 days. Shout out to our sponsors, too. Yeah. Yeah. There is a huge opportunity for, and I probably said this last time, there's just a huge opportunity for people to create great content in this space. And, um, you know, when we talk about bringing more people into the hobby, which we'll continue to do, that means there's more content there's more apps there's more breaking there's more it's more of more hobby shops more like all of that and so yeah you guys are 613 episodes ahead of you know anyone else who's, who's starting there so and no one's gonna catch up. up unless they want to do two episodes a day. <laughs> right <'Cause>, guys <laughs> we wanted to do we wanted to do an episode different than you know sports card nonsense different jay lee go listen to those guys they do an amazing job i gotta tell you 
I didn't listen to their episode, Andrew, because mm-hmm. I started it. I went to hit play, and then there was a McDonald's commercial right in the very beginning, and I ran out and I had to get McDonald's. And then I didn't listen to the episode. Mm-hmm. So no, you listen to it. I kind of want McDonald's. McDonald's. Now. I'm glad you didn't McDonald's. bring that up early. I would have left in the beginning. <laughs> you of the know episode. the kick, the key <laughs> to order McDonald's fries is to ask for no salt and add salt at the end. So yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I've been on that tip for a long mm-hmm. time. It's right when it comes out of the thing. If you get it right when it comes out of the fryer, it's hot. It, oh yeah, so good. By the way, can we talk about um, Anthony Edwards' a McDonald's order? When he when he ordered, you guys caught that? Like, no. Two, what did he two, get? Like a month ago, he's, he's he goes up. He he goes up to the uh, podium for a post game interview on his phone, and he goes, "Hold on, hold on, I just got to place a food order." And the reporters go, "What are you ordering?" He goes, "McDonald's." He goes, and they go, "What are you getting?" He goes, "I'm getting some McChickens." I'm getting some McChickens. Fucking Anthony Edwards is the best. That guy is is unbelievable. He's getting he, some McChickens. I he's love getting him. some McChickens on his phone in, during a press conference. Our McDonald's. episode yesterday, yeah. Andrew and I talked about collectability of players and that they, you could be a winner. You could be a great winner. And I was trying to compare Tim Duncan to Giannis as winners who might not be cardboard relevant. Andrew was trying to say Giannis might be more like LeBron. I kind of disagreed. But Anthony Edwards... Anthony Edwards has that little additional thing. Oh, like if he if he could win, that's someone yeah. who's collectible because he likes McChickens. Because he His likes diet is McDonald's. I, I read it's, this fact: McDonald's. I mean, America is the most obese country in the world. I wonder if it has something yeah. to do with our athletes promoting crowd order McChickens right. after after their games. This guy is, is is maybe the like most athletic person in the whole league. And he's, he's, he's ordering McChickens. And Again, some McChickens. That's yeah, great. What do you think awesome. about the double standard? We roast Zion for being too fat, but because Anthony Edwards has a good metabolism, it's all good. Anyway, all Josh. metabolism. So anyway, yeah. yeah. We're going for it. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.